Hello and welcome to Daddy OFM, broadcasting live from West Hollywood, California. Joining us today from Herefordshire in the UK is creator, performer, promoter, Simon Morley. We'll be talking puppetry of the penis and have a live performance of the pelican. I'm your host, Jonathan Bookerdell, so sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hello, Simon, and welcome to Daddy OFM. Jonathan, lovely to be with you again. Great to have you on the show, Simon. Been really looking forward to this one. How are things tonight on the border between England and Wales? Uh, yeah, it's beautiful here, I've got to say. I feel like I'm living in like a little chunk of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's, uh, the, the, and the houses are built for Hobbit. Um, the house that I'm living in is over 1,100 years old. Oh, wow. Amazing. So as, as an Australian, that just blows my yeah. mind. You know, <laughs> The oldest thing we've got is Captain Cook's Cottage, which is like about 200 years yeah, old. Yeah, exactly. And I think and, it's just some foundations at this point. Exactly. They, they tear it down and put it up somewhere else every, every 10 years. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's amazing. I mean, there's, a, there's so much heritage here and so yeah, much history. Yeah. Um, my, my wife's family has been on the same plot of land for over 1,200 years. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so and, and, and um, as, I, as Australians, I, that's a ridiculous idea. As well. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. But it is. It's just rolling hills and it's, it's very beautiful. Um, I'm quite happy. You know, I'm embracing the country life <laughs> after spending like 20 years on the road and, you know, spending time in hotel rooms. Um, you know, now if I say a chocolate on a pillow, I just want to trash the room. So <laughs> yeah, we had a little chat the other night, and, and he said, "Oh, let me pop upstairs." And, and there he was with a glass of red wine in, in this beautiful old house with a <laughs> low ceiling, and you looked and this warm light coming out, and you looked so comfortable and at peace and and cozy. I was just like, I wanted to get up, get on a plane, and come and hang out for the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely, it's so good here. You know, I'm, I'm raising chickens. I'm, I'm you know, I've got, I, I just, I just had a couple of pigs that I sent off to the big farm in the sky. Oh, uh, did you? Um, Delicious. I'm it. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they were too. Uh, <laughs> I called them, I called them Bush and Putin. I didn't want to get too attached to them. <laughs> Yeah, easy, easily got rid of then. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so thanks for joining us today, Simon. I'm really excited to be talking to you today. And uh, you are the creator and uh, often performer of Puppetry of the Penis. And um, and you're, are you about to go back on the road again soon? We are. I've got a festival in Holland that I've got to do in a couple of weeks. And then we on the, uh, early April, we start our... Um, we've got about 50 shows booked in the UK this year. That's wow, pretty much why I've, why I've moved back here. Yeah, the last three years I was living just outside New York City yeah. and trying to get things happening in America. And it was it proved very tough. But yeah, um, really. in the UK, it's quite a lucrative market for us <laughs> yeah. still. Yeah, I want, to, so, I want to touch on on that later. Actually, that how things um, translated uh, from the UK to the to the US. But but let's sure. let's go back and why don't you tell our listeners about puppetry of the penis? For because not everyone would have heard about it, but most people do. And so um, give us a, a quick description of puppetry for the newcomers. Okay, basically, it's a couple of uh, shameless. <laughs> pretty much naked men <laughs> on stage manipulating their genitals for the amusement of others. Well, of course. Uh, 
It, it, it started off as a party trick that was then turned into a calendar. Right. Um, I wanted to... We, 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 my, my little brother... Okay, so we'll go back to the start. I was in my mother's house at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Um, I think I was like 16. My little brother was... Uh, Justin was, you know, maybe 12. And he'd been away at a tennis camp. And someone had... Sh- He'd learned how to make a hamburger out of his genitals. Right. Oh, well, yeah. And, well, who wouldn't at that age? Right. And, I mean, I was, you know, like a broody, moody 16-year-old <laughs> sitting on the couch watching some football, I think. Right. And he's like, you know, hey, big brother, you know, look what I can do. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I fell off the couch for one of two reasons. One, that he'd made a perfect little slider out of his genitals. Nice. For my amusement. And the other one was... He was standing in my, you know, in our in our family home at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday with his pants at his ankles, unashamedly <laughs> entertaining me, and I just thought this is just genius. It really is. So then I I sort of I went away. Interrupt, sorry, and I won't get you to to do a demonstration because it looks a little chilly. Can you describe how one, in case people want to try it at home, can you describe how one would achieve the hamburger? Absolutely. You can. Uh, you take your testicles on the fingertips. Yes. You roll the penis between the testicles. Right. Turn on a ninety-degree angle. Clockwise or anti-clockwise, or it's just that, down. That's, to... that's up to you. Oh, that's okay. up to you. Yeah. <laughs> we're all di- we're all built differently. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And then you gently squeeze it like a hamburger. Oh, very nice. So, so it all flattens out a bit and the testicles make the buns and the penis makes the hamburger. Absolutely. I mean, everyone is built completely differently and this is what we have to... This is a, a, a very tricky situation we have when we train people up to do our show. It's right. like there are so many times where I've been, like, bent down in front of a man trying <laughs> and his hand... Usually their hands are shaking because they're yeah. so terrified. Uh, I'm not surprised. And, uh, yeah, and they, they think that they're in front of some sort of master. It's just because <laughs> I had a little, a little more spare time than they did. Um, the yoda of the penis. You just go, just just a little bit. That's it. Just squeeze on just a little bit, and you just want to reach out and go just like this. You want to grab it, but of course, that's just that's going over the line. Anyway, that's that's another conversation. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I, I want to get back to the casting process later as well. Yeah. But tell us more about. Uh, um, I, I know it started like after y- your young brother revealed this this great performance art to you and. And I think your your first move was to to photograph several different um, versions of it and uh, put it out as a calendar in Australia. Well, basically, we found ourselves being invited to parties where we didn't know anyone. And, you know, they, people would be playing you full of alcohol and around midnight someone would go, oh, go on, show us a quick hamburger. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're doing a show for like a couple of hundred people. Mm. So I thought, okay, we need to document this in some way. And at the time, I was actually promoting stand-up comedians. Right, I was yeah, th- I didn't know that about you, but that, that's interesting as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I used to manage pubs, yeah. and any pub I'd work at, I would run a comedy night. Right, And great. therefore, this was like in the in the glory days where comedy company yeah. just started, and, yeah. uh, you know, for those international listeners, you won't know what I'm talking about, but it was, you know, it was back in the late 80s where... Right. Uh, you know, comedy really moved mm. up a step. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just, Jamoan was one of my 
you know, buddies from those days, Mick Malloy and Tony Martin and right. Russell Gilbert and Glenn Robbins. You know, it's, it's now the sort of the cream of Australian comedy. Yeah. But these guys were, you know, working for like 100 bucks a night back then. <laughs> I was touring these guys around. I actually took Jamoan on his first tour. Mm. He was on Saturday Night Live and it, it became really huge. Instead of doing these like, you know, $150 a night pub gigs, I said, well, maybe we should go on tour. Right. And I'm, I'll never forget this. It was my the start of my promoting uh, career. We went to Newcastle, and We've it was had on a Newcastle ch- mentioned before as well. And, and to 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 those listeners who are not Australian, uh, as we mentioned before, it's not exactly the the hub of the performing world. It's not exactly a, the, you know step one yeah. stop it, one no, comedy it's, it's, tour. It's a steel town. Yeah, yeah, it's, right. You know, it's, it's an industrial city, man. Yeah. There's but we turned up there. This yeah. wor- it was the workers' club. Oh, right. And <laughs> as we drove up, there was like 150 people queued up out front. And we're going, wow, wow Tuesday we night. We're going to make some money here. And we get upstairs and they say, oh, no, no. It's, uh, they, they're waiting to get tickets. It's sold out. Say, well, what does this place hold? And they said, 1,100. Wow. It, it, there, was, there was all of a sudden a national exposure for these comedians yeah. that hadn't been there before. Right. Yeah, um, and we we cashed in on it, but 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 then all of a sudden, all these people I started working with, yeah. they were all getting jobs on radio and television. Right. So, but I got a real sense of uh, achievement and mm. satisfaction, probably wanting to be on stage a little bit myself, but right. knowing I wasn't quite as uh, <laughs> equipped as as these guys, you know. Um, it, it takes a lot of guts to do sound oh, comedy, man. Yeah. It's the hardest job in the world. I think getting up in front of a group of people and entertaining them is the hardest job in the world. Yeah. But getting up and entertaining and making them laugh is even harder. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I had a lot of respect for these people. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 something clicked in me there. I, I, I knew that um, even though I wasn't on stage, I was, I was part of this. I was yeah. part of you know, bringing this to the people. Yeah. And I felt very proud about that, and I always do. Absolutely. I love putting on a show for the yeah. people, whether I'm yeah. in it or not. Yeah, it's that, that, that I did this, and you look and there it is, taking an idea and then suddenly seeing it in the flesh with an audience is, is one of the most satisfying things there is. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, job satisfaction, that's the one thing I've, I'm very lucky in. I made a very conscious decision, you know, I never wanted to work a nine-to-five job. No. I never wanted to sit in traffic. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just thought there's got to be another way. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and it, it turned out. Well, see, so back to my point, yeah. all these guys were working on the radio or the television, which meant they could only tour like two months of the year. Right. And then they would go back to work. So we would tour like crazy through the, that period right. and it'd make a lot of money. Yeah. But then there was nothing. So I would, I would start tour managing other shows. I spent two, six weeks going around Australia with the UK Glamour Girls, which is like a, a strip show which was very interesting. I toured with uh, Mr. Methane, yeah. who has a one-hour fart show. Oh, that's, yep, of course. So all the classy acts you're, you're kind of bringing, uh, bringing in there. Yep. And so how, yep. how and does then, one uh, um, sustain a show for an hour on farts? Another thing that really inspired me, because right. back in the days all on Rouge, right. there was a guy called La Petit Man, yeah. who was this strapping man with a big 
curly moustache yeah. and a tight little stripy bodysuit. And he had a fart show. And he was, he was like the biggest thing in France. He was huge. It's and crazy, like, isn't it? It is, it yeah. is. I mean, yeah. But that must so, have just shown you that possibilities, the mind must have started going then. Absolutely. Yeah. And, then, and then I thought, just quickly, we Go brought on. out the calendar. Yeah. The calendar was, was a spectacular failure. Um, I, I, I'll never forget it. We, we, all my friends put some money in. Uh, we, no. we made this beautiful, arty, um, right. black and white, steepy sort of 12 images, and they all had their different months. And we had a big launch at a nightclub in Melbourne. It all went very well. Wow. And then on New Year's Eve, I went away with some friends of mine and someone put the calendar up on the wall and yeah. turned the first page at, at, at midnight. And then it was, about, it was about an hour and a half into the new year where someone said, look, we think it's great, but do you mind if we take it down? It's oh, like... It's it was a little graphic, was it? <laughs> So, but, but right then I realised what I'd done was created something that was very time-restricted and yeah. Yeah, right. problematic. Right. Um, and I've still got stacks of those cameras. Gee, that's fantastic. Well, please exactly. send one here. I'd love, Daddy OFM would love to have a, a, have a puppetry of the pen, or a penis calendar. I, I will <laughs> send you one, but there is, there is about 400 of them underneath a house in Tamarama. That's fantastic. <laughs> I left them there. That's fantastic. Uh, 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 someone else's house. They, they, they haven't yeah, discovered yeah, yeah. yet? <laughs> well, it was, it was a house I rented for my brother Nicholas. Yeah. It was, a, you know, yeah. a, a fashionista as well. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I, I, I loaded all these calendars underneath <laughs> his house and then just left them there. And I'm sure, like, five different families have lived there since and i just hate to think that they go one of their kids goes under yeah. and opens one of these packages <laughs> so what was the next stage and so you you've got the calendar it's not selling you're going on tour you're seeing how people will come out to these comedy shows especially in towns like newcastle working towns where there's not a lot going on and and but so when something does come to town people come out in droves for it so how did you translate the um the calendar into a show well, I had to sell some calendars, and I figured yeah. the only way to sell right. the calendars was actually to do the live show. Right. Uh, l luckily, at the point, there was a radio show in Australia called Martin Malloy, and, and th these guys were the king of national drive time. Right. And Mick was an old friend of mine, so they championed the show. We launched it at the Comedy Festival in 98, I think, and it at sold... At the Melbourne Comedy Festival? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it just sold out. But wow. I didn't have a show. I had it on sale and I was hoping that my brother Justin was going to come and do the show with me. And, but my brother Justin had just got a job on Neighbours. Right. For those of you who used to watch Neighbours, he was the kissing bandit. Um, and it was a recurring role. For those of you not in Australia, Neighbours is one of the, were the biggest uh, soap operas in Australian history. I think it ran like 20 Absolutely. years or something, didn't it? Yeah. Launched the career of Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, Kylie Minogue, ah. name a few. I didn't know Russell was on there. Was he on Neighbours, was he? Yeah, yeah, that's dead. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> we all did. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, still to this day, I've got, I've got a couple of tapes where there's photos of, there's a couple of scenes with my brother and his Speedo standing next to Guy <laughs> Pearce. <laughs> 
at the at the poolside. So so Justin wouldn't do the show with me. Yeah. Um, right. And then I I sort of I got a phone call from this guy after I I mean the show had pretty much sold out. Right. And I got a phone call from this guy that I'd met on a Jamoan tour up in Byron Bay years before mm. called Friendy. Yeah. And and Friendy was a dick tricker. Oh. Uh, from way back, or is it, is it something that he always from way done? back? So I, I, I should tell this story. Friendy and Please. I, Bone and I were on tour. We're at the Great Northern Hotel in Byron Bay. Um, the night before we'd we'd been out drinking too much, I did a couple of dick tricks at the, in the toilet. The bouncer had come in. We thought he was going to kick us out. Uh, he just like left the room looking shocked. <laughs> He's got called Friendy and said these guys doing dick tricks. Friendy was the dick tricker no in town. Way. Oh, really? So he was yeah. a known dick tricker. Absolutely. So so Friendy came with the following night. We were in the in the pub in the northern having a quiet T-bone steak, and this guy has come up to us. And he's gone. You're Jamon. Jamon's like yeah. And he's gone. You, you're the other guy doing dick trick, and. Uh, <laughs> And I've gone, maybe, who are you? And he's gone, friendy. This, and he's handed me a printed list um, of his dick tricks. I've never seen no anything way. like this. I've never seen a, a dick tricker so organised. And <laughs> there was like a, it was out of maybe 15 of them, there was maybe 10 of them already in my repertoire, right. but there was a couple that hadn't. Right. He said, I'd like to show you my wares. And I'm like, oh, as a joke, I've gone, yeah, go on. And he dropped his pants in the middle of the beer garden at like 6.30 in the afternoon and started to show us his wares. Oh, here's and your man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, he was good. And what makes a good dick tricker? Is it, is it flexibility? Is it size? Is it girth? Well, you know, you need to be sort of, uh, you need to be balanced. Right. You need, you don't, want, you, don't want it be too, you don't want it to be too big. You don't want it to be too fat. Yeah. You've got to be able to bend it. You've got to be able to make shapes. Yeah. The most important quality in a in dick tricker is a complete lack of shame. Yeah. You've got to remember in our, in our show, we use a camera that zooms in and a huge big video yeah. screen. Yeah. So everyone on our stage is three stories high. That's right. If you're in a 2,000 seat theater, <laughs> you know. People up the back, they're just looking at a little blur that's going on <laughs> around your genital region, but they're right. looking at the big screen. So a size does matter, but it's not essential. Right, okay. So Friendly yeah. drops his pants in the middle of the pub in the afternoon, and uh, what, what dick trick did he open with? The hamburger, of course. Of course, yeah. But, but then he did, he did an amazing Eiffel Tower. Wow, wow, wow. And could, if you could describe the Eiffel Tower for me, I'm sure we can visually imagine that. The Eiffel Tower... Well, Friendy uh, is circumcised, as, as I am, but he sort of he tucked the head back in and then pulled the foreskin down and created that little... Uh, Very inventive. It just, looked, it just looked exactly like the Eiffel Tower. It was like being in Paris. Like, <laughs> scary. <laughs> scary. And then he moved quickly on to some escargot. <laughs> uh, and he, he produced a perfect snail. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there, there was... There was plenty, but I, I was sort of, I stopped watching him and I started watching the people in the right. beer garden, right. like the way they were reacting to it. And, and that was another moment for yeah. me, you know. It's like, okay, okay, there's, there's something here. But I didn't see him for a couple of years. Yeah. And I put these shows on sale and I'll never forget, he called me up. I got this phone call and my, my nickname was Horse. Right. And he was like, horse, <laughs> horse, horse. And I'm going, 
yeah, who's this? And he's going, Fanny, Fanny. I'm going, I can't hear you. Who is this? He's going, it's Fanny. I can't talk. I'm going, well, then why are you calling me? And he was under his desk. He was working at some sort of banking job or something. And he was under his desk and he wanted to quit his job and he wanted to come and do the show with me. He's going, right. you're doing a dick trick show. Who are you doing it with? And I said, um, I'm looking for someone. What are you doing next week? And he went, okay, I'm on. And I'm like, great. <laughs> and that was it. So there you are. That was That's it. it. Two legends meet. You know, the, the show just went crazy from there. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we did some shows in Melbourne and we did, did some shows did you, in Did you have the format of the show uh, down? No, it was a disaster. The, the <laughs> first show we did was packed full of our friends. There was maybe right. 300 people there at the Corner Hotel in Richmond. Right. And, and we came out and we did maybe like 35 minutes. Yeah. Basically, we just had a list of the tricks and there was a star next to all the ones he did and there was no star next to the ones I did. And we just did them and there was no script or anything. Right. And it just went down. People were like on their Fantastic. toes. So applauding. And did you have the, uh, the Zoom camera in place for this at least? Absolutely. Oh, there we go. Absolutely. Um, so the bones the screen, were there. The, the, the screen, unfortunately, was just a bed sheet hanging <laughs> on a piece of wire. And, and it happened to be a bed sheet for my, uh, for my house. I can only imagine be... the state of that bed sheet. That shouldn't have, yeah, it, should, it should have had a bit of a wash. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't were there until any, um... we, we turned... Hopefully there weren't any black lights on in the room to, to well, reveal the Jackson that's Pollock painting. That's what a projector painting. is. That's what a projector is. <laughs> oh, I, look, 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 I, kept looking, I kept looking back at the screen and it looked like there was a big fried egg in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was oh, Australia, Australia, anyway, the home of the anyway. arts. <laughs> so we, we were a big hit. We were a huge I'm sure, hit. I'm and sure. The second show, the second show... Yeah was met with deathly silence. Oh, no. Wow. Because no yeah, friends. We, we, we got a bit cocky, you know, oh, yeah. and, and we were sort of, you know, we, we drank a bit too much and right. smoked some pot. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we got out there. And all I, I, I turn around and do the hamburger and I just, I just hear, like, people in the audience go, oh, that's just wrong. <laughs> that's, 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 that's not natural. They weren't on board with the whole concept. <laughs> It's just like, and you, you hear someone up the back going, I think he should see a doctor. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. So I thought, okay, all right, if we're going to do this, we need to get serious. So that's when we started putting some work into the show. Right. We, we hit the road and yep. we actually documented it. I made a, a documentary called Tackle Happy. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was about us. In an old clapped-out combi van, yeah. circumnavigating Australia, doing our show everywhere. Okay, well, listen, because we, we, we always uh, like to post what we talk about on, on in our show notes, and, and hopefully the Daddy OFM uh, webpage will be up by then. If not, we'll post it to uh, Facebook slash Daddy OFM, and you can right. hopefully see the original, uh, the original documentary. That'd be great. Some fine yeah, viewing, yeah. I yeah. imagine. Absolutely, and most of the things I talked about are all in there, you know, because right. as soon as I started doing this, I filmed it. So just before we move on to your world domination, I just want to ask what your experience was when, when you first came up in front of the audience and, 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 and how, how that experience was for you. Good question. I, it, it, it's bloody terrifying. 
you know, to, to, to get out there. I mean, I wasn't a performer. Yeah. I was a producer. And then to go up there in front of a group of people and, and to be naked and yeah. try and make them laugh, it was, it was completely terrifying. Yeah. And I've got to say, I've never been a... Uh, I've always been a little self-conscious with right. my body and, you know... I mean, I'm not a... I was never a fatty or anything. Right. I just wasn't one of those, you know, muscly guys or anything. There came a point where you stood behind a curtain and you just <laughs> got to look at the back of a red velvet curtain. you got to say, fuck it. Yep. Fuck right. it. That's right. Fuck it. And you say it three times and you burst that curtain open <laughs> and you walk out and you rip open your cape... And people laugh, and then you go, "All right, Here we okay, go. I'm there now." I actually wanted to ask you about the cape. When when did, when was the cape um, abroad? Because for, for listeners that haven't um, seen any pictures or anything, uh, the boys wear right. a long red cape. Can you describe the cape for us. There's been many a capes. Yeah. Uh, it started off. It started off. My first cape was like one of those Chinese happy coats turned right. into a. Uh, Okay, I mean it was all Elvis in Vegas inspired. Uh, of course, Always. I, I, of course. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have the money in the first show. So my Brilliant. very first shows were like a little happy coat, yeah. Chinese happy coat, dressed down, tied around my neck, and then I would go to the Melbourne uh, Theatre Company um, rentals department right. and get these big King Lear capes Fantastic. and you know big golden things. Uh, when the show became a success, I. I was able to make my own, you know, expensive capes. And I've, I've had, like, some of the best fashion designers in the world making capes fantastic. now, you know. Yeah. So I have a collection of capes. I'm, I'm a little Liberace when it comes to the capes. I'm sure you are. <laughs> Hopefully there's a, there's a basement full of uh, all the capes in glass cases lined up. The, the puppetry of the penis museum that she'll be opening in, in Melbourne one day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God help us. So, so then you went on to conquer the world. There's a basically a circuit for, for, for comedy festivals, right? Melbourne is one of the big ones. Edinburgh is one of the it big is. ones. And yep. so is that where you hit next? Edinburgh is the biggest marketplace in the world for a right. comedy show, a, a variety show, a, a fringe sort of any fringe entertainment. Yeah. It's huge. They have yeah. like... Over 6,000 shows. Right. Oh, and, right. and the difference with Edinburgh is everyone does one hour a night. They do it every day. Right. So you literally do 30 shows in a month. Oh, well, so and it's on for that, a month, the, the festival? Absolutely. Wow. And, and when's uh, when's uh, it on? Every August. It's the most incredible festival to be. You, you're really you're part of something when you yeah. go there because it's really hard to make money. Right. I mean, we were really right. blessed. I, I was lucky enough to go there a couple of years before with Jamoan yeah. um, and see the mechanics of it. Yeah, so right. I was a little more well-versed when I took my show there. We went there in 2000, uh -huh. and straight away we, we were in a 150-seat theatre, and within a week we'd pretty much sold out the whole run. Right, amazing. It went through the roof. It really helped having... The word penis in the title. Oh, yes, the it always does, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, but this was, you know, in 2000, it's like, now it's like, eh, penis. Yeah, back right, then it was exactly. Like, oh, it was quite cold. shocking back then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we were cutting edge. And the fact that we used a camera and a video screen, that wasn't done. You wow. used that multimedia. We were one of the first to do that. Right, because it was just, uh, a, I imagine, just that, that uh, brick wall with a microphone and a spotlight kind of set up at most places. Absolutely, mm. yeah. 
there's a wonderful story about this. Uh, about a week and a half into our Edinburgh run, this uh, large gay man called David Johnson came to see our show. He was a big West End producer. Right. And he, he, he couldn't get a ticket for our show, so he kept walking down the line offering, like, you know, 20 pounds for... <laughs> I think it was a 10-pound ticket or something. He's yeah. going, 20 pounds for a ticket, 20 pounds for a ticket. And then he'd go all the way back and he'd go, 30 pounds, 30 pounds for a ticket. <laughs> he ended up paying like 40 pounds before someone who really, some girl's boyfriend who right. didn't really want to be there. Right. And he got, he got the ticket and he came in and he, was, he sat there and he watched the show. And like about halfway through the show, this woman next to him just was laughing so hard that she actually peed herself. <laughs> and, and he was on the aisle and he said, I'll, I'll get up and let you go to the toilet. And she goes, no, I'm not missing the show. Oh, that's and fantastic. right then he went, I'm taking this to the West End. Right, light bulb <laughs> moment. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So he yeah, met up the, with us. When the audience is oh. wetting the, themselves, I think you're on to a good thing. Uh, but what I wanted to yeah. ask quickly is, what is, is your audience mostly male or mostly female? And do the, do the guys, I was, that's interesting that the guys kind of might feel more uncomfortable with it. Well, it, it depends on the geographics. It's right. like in Australia. I mean, th this show was born out of the Australian male sporting yep. change room. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you finish your game of footy, it's like you're in the showers. You're like, hey, check this out, check it out. <laughs> this, this is where it came from. So in Australia, we get pretty much a 50-50 ratio. Right. Um, in Europe, it's more 60-40, you know, slanted towards the women. Yeah. But we still get a lot of men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In America, you know, it depends on what state you're in. You right. know, New York was like sort of 60-40 again. Yeah. But here in the UK, yeah, we get like, we'll have a thousand people in the theatre and there'll be like maybe seven men and they're guaranteed to be gay or a chauffeur. Really? And it's you just know. all women then? Just the all for the... For... It gets really Chippendalish. That's really you funny. Know, they, 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 they get screamy and it's like, oh, this is not quite what we're Here trying we go. to do. This is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure That's, there's yeah. the odd hen's night uh, party there yeah. as well. I eventually got my brother Justin on the road right. and our first show on the tour in the UK was a place called In Essex, which is like... You know, it's like, in England, Essex girls are famous for being, you know, the, the raunchiest, the, 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 the most available like the Jersey ladies. Shore, for example. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So he was standing behind the curtain, and we used to dress him in a toga. Right. And he was like the great lord of the penis, and he would come out and do an intro before we came right. on. And then become our cameraman. <laughs> he, he was standing behind the curtain and there would, you just heard this show us your cock show us your cock and just this just chanting a thousand women and he was like he kept looking at me going horse horse I don't want to go I don't want to go I don't want to go I'm like you gotta go and I, we had this Gallipoli moment where I had to like push him through the curtain and he's turned back to the last thing he said to me, he goes, they're going to chew my nipples off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they did. They chewed uh, his nipples. Fantastic. Yeah. Kind of every man's dream of a thousand women chanting <laughs> for them to show their penis, but actually probably a little bit scary. As soon as you throw back the cape, yeah. people are just like, 
Okay. All right, we're in, yeah. <laughs> and that's the one thing I realised, and when you asked me before, my first time on stage, yeah. the one thing I realised, the first time I threw back my cape right. was everyone out there is a lot more frightened than I am. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that, that power yep. shift yep. happened. I imagine you do that for with every show, that, that big reveal of the cape opening, because it, it, it's, it's almost like... It's like sportsmen when they, they have a little routine that engages their brain into, like, now's the time to perform. And it, and it was that yeah. of, the, of the cape must be your, your, your signal to yourself that we are on now. I am no longer Simon Morley. I am Simon Morley of the puppetry of the penis. And then you can do whatever you yeah. like. And, and, you know, there was, there was another thing that went through my head at that moment. I had a very uh, sort of a, a serious Catholic upbringing right. that I rejected very early on, yeah. but th there was a, one of the great Catholic stories I remembered was St. Francis of Assisi, right. where he like, dropped his robe and said, yeah. Father, I have nothing more to hide, you know, I have nothing, <laughs> and there was that moment where you shed everything, yeah. and that, that was my cape moment, it's like, Liberating. here it is, people, yeah. no skeletons in the closet, Take it all like I don't care. Yeah, that's brilliant. You know? But that's the, the audacity Laugh. of that just makes the show, and just suddenly it's so kind yeah. of mesmerising that 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 guys would just do that in, in like all their glory, just standing there. Now I'm going to do some dick tricks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to say some of my uh, some of my dearest friends, I've encouraged them at. You know, we always have a part in the show where we invite someone from the audience to come up and do nice. a hamburger with us. Nice and. I've encouraged my closest friends uh, who have been terrified. I've said, you've got to do it just to be empowered. Yeah. You've got to feel the power. Yeah. And, and to come up and to do that and to have like 1,000, 2,000 people applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and always those guys get a much bigger applause than right. what we do. I'm not surprised. You know. do, and, they, do they get and, their own cape? No. Ah, no, God. no. <laughs> We don't have those out. So they come up, no cape even, and they just, do they go backstage and just, do they just robe on stage? They, they walk on stage and they literally just drop their pants and, and then we teach them and then they turn around and show it. Fantastic. But I, I must stress that our capes don't stay on for long. Right. Our capes are only on for like four minutes and then we're completely naked. That's fantastic. <laughs> Unless they're in a freezing cold yeah. theatre. <laughs> well, do you have a temperature con temperature control? Because I imagine I wanted it at like um, you know Swedish sauna levels. Absolutely, but but the theatres don't always you know the amount of times we've been in theatres and you know the, the heating systems have broken down right. and you look at all these women in puffer jackets. Right. And oh, they, bloody you hell! You know, you're trying to trying to stop the shrinkage. You're just hovering <laughs> over. Hovering over a lamp. Right. <laughs> Doing the... Like trying to start a fire with a stick. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so that's Absolutely. cool. And so the Edinburgh Festival, that was your first international big thing, big show, big series of shows. Is that correct? And, and where, where did you go from there? We thought we were going to go to Edinburgh, then go home. Right. Went straight to the West End. Oh, so of we course, went of course. Hundred... Back to the story of the, 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 the woman wedding herself. And now what was the producer's yes. name? David Johnson. David Johnson. So David Johnson yeah. is sitting next to scout the tickets, sitting in the theatre. Sitting next to him is a woman that wets herself laughing and refuses to leave the show, and he's like, I've got to put this on the West End. Right. And yeah. so we went to the Whitehall Theatre, yeah. uh, which is right in Regent Square, and it's a 1,000-seat theatre, 
We went from a 150-seater to a 1,000-seater. And all of a sudden, we had three weeks to put the show together. We had, like, we got a director in um, and we got lighting designers and there was pyrotechnics. Fantastic. And it, was, it was crazy. Yeah. And, you know, we really, we, we like to say we polished the turd. <laughs> Or, or as a, a good friend of mine, Andrew Maxwell says, a uh, 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 comedian, he goes, he goes, oh, to be sure, you can't polish a turd, but you can roll it in glitter. <laughs> that's fantastic. And so I think that's what we did, rolled yeah. it in glitter. Rolled the turd in glitter. And, and what was yeah. the time period from, from say, the, the, the calendar failure to being in the West, West End? It was it was about two and a half years. Right, that's uh, but, but, but I had a whole I had a whole year off. You know, right. we didn't do the show for all of '99. So you're in the West End and and, and opening night there. Did you, how long was the booking for? Did, did they have full faith in in the puppetry of the penis, or was it a little bit of a trial period to prove yourselves, or were you all in? Well, it was it was for a three week run. Yeah, I'm um, doing eight shows a week, <laughs> and. Uh, and we, we had a big problem at the start because the Westminster Council, because we were right on the, on the steps of Buckingham Palace. Right. So the Westminster Council said that they're going to come, that they weren't sure we could put the show on. They were starting to think it was a sex show right? because of the nudity. So we had to very much make it a play. Ah, so okay. We had to, That's interesting. We had to change the script and everything, right. and we had to, like, Try and make it like a play. Um, so did you just try to link all the tricks together by some sort of narrative? Is that how you approached it? Exactly, mm. exactly. <laughs> and then um, my producer sat behind these three guys, these three lawyers that came to see the show, and they all had, like, umbrellas and yeah. hats and yeah. briefcases. Yeah. And he sat behind them and he said, round about the Eiffel Tower, he saw their shoulders, like, jiggling like this, like... <laughs> They were laughing, and he thought, "Okay, we're all right oh, now. We're, we're okay. all right. Okay." <laughs> and, and we got past, but the show ended up running on the West End there for six months. Amazing, man! That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. It was, it, was, it was huge, and we were we voted the best new West End show by the Guardian. And we, you, we, did, we were you just just looking around, going, you know, how was this happening, or did you were you nodding your head like I knew I was onto something? No, look, there, there was many moments. It, it, it all happened so fast. Right. The, probably, probably the moment, my moment of clarity, which I like to call it, is we were booked to do, after one of our shows, we were booked to do a, a celebrity party. Right. And all we, it was for Theo Fennell, who was a big West End jeweler. Okay. He was having a Christmas party um, in Knightsbridge in, in his store. We heard that Elton John might be there. So we were picked up after our show in limos, yeah. raced over. We got out of the limos. There was like paparazzi everywhere flashing and all the windows were blacked out. Right. And we were rushed into this little back room <laughs> full of boxes. And we're standing there and like, you know, we're like taking our clothes off and putting our capes on. And Naomi Campbell has come racing out and gone, has anyone seen Bono? I'm not sure he knows where this is. And we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> so we've, we've walked out into this space and there was like two tables of ten yeah. and there was like 20 A-list celebrities. Oh, wow. There was like 
Posh and Bex were yeah. there. There was Altony's boyfriend. That was great. There was, um, Bono was there. Yeah. Um, Jackson Joan Collins, Carrie Fisher. Fantastic. Uh, Hugh Grant was yeah. there. And so we did this show for them. And at the end, to finish the show, we decided to do a, a, an installation we called the Fruit Bat, which is where I do a handstand and you get someone to hold my ankles up in the air. And if you can imagine it, my nuts would be right around his chin. So there's Elton John, like, holding my ankles in the air. And I'm, like, upside down and sitting right next to me on the two tables. There's, like, Posh Spice was that, right there. That is so surreal. And Naomi Campbell was right there. And I was looking straight up their dresses as they're rocking back laughing. And then I'm looking up and seeing Elton John, like, looking down at me over my nuts. And I just thought, how the fuck yeah. did this happen? Yeah. Uh, the acid has kicked in then. <laughs> oh, my God. But and that then must have been bizarre, break. upside down, staring up at the, these celebrities, and uh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. And then we had this great moment where, like, after the show, we all started, we, we all, you know, got out and drank with them and yeah. had a great time. And, uh, you know, the... Beckham came up and said, you know, if you show me how to do a hamburger, I'll show you how to kick with your left foot. Um, um, Hugh Grant came up to me and said, oh, Simon, I, I'm very impressed yeah, yeah. with the show. Um, you know, I've, I, uh, I, I do something a little bit similar to one of yours. I, I call it the onion bhaji. See, my squat is quite scarlet and wrinkly. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Hugh. He's like, would you like to see it? I'm like, and then, like, about four girls have gone, yes. You yeah. know, like... Scared him off. Um, I, 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 I will never be able to look at a Hugh Grant movie in the same way without thinking uh, of his uh, pair of onion bargies. <laughs> I, I think the best one was Bono came up to me and shook my hand and said, Simon, I love your cock. <laughs> and I think I'm probably quite safely, you know, I, I'm probably one of the only people he's ever said that to. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> That's fantastic, so, man. That's so funny. Then we came back to Australia and it was, a, it was a triumphant return. So when we were last in Australia, we did like about eight shows at the Corn Hotel, yeah. which is a small pub. And then we went, came to the Forum at the Comedy Festival right. again. And we ended up running like two and a half months Wow! Um, in a big thousand-seat theatre. Again, eight shows a week, yeah. sometimes nine shows a week. And it was completely sold out. Um, but then we realised that we needed to train up other people. The demand for the show was so yeah. great. So, so many of my stand-up comedian friends have become successful. They can only do it themselves, whereas we were in this wonderful yeah. position so, where yeah, you could do something similar and, um, to yeah. like Blue Man or Stomp. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then became the very interesting... So did you start um, that process when you came back to Australia before heading to the US then? Yes. What is the casting process? And were you overwhelmed by people? Basically, we'll put out a casting call. You might get anywhere from three to 30 people turn right. up. All of the nutbags will turn up. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so if you get 10 people, good seven of them are yeah. going to be slightly unhinged. Yeah. And, so perfect and for the really, show, then. <laughs> yeah, and really, but shouldn't be there. Right, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You, you just think to yourself, what am I seeing? The, 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 we have run auditions all over the world. Yeah. 
You know, like our show has been presented in Argentina, in Mexico, in Spain, in France, in Italy, and I have to go there and audition like, you know, 20 boys. Yeah. And it it turns into a bit like, you know, Australian or American Idol, sort of (laughs) cock idol. I wheedle them down, you know. There's a TV show. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing. I'll never forget, the, the hardest one was in Mexico. And I went there and they had like 30 guys chosen in Mexico. And we had like four days of wheedling them down. And the final day happened to be Good Friday. Right. And I was staying right in the middle of Mexico. And I, in the Mexico, in 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 the city square there, they have the big passion play where this guy pretends to be Jesus. And he's walking around dragging a cross. And there's all these women with like horse whips just whooping him and going, You are not the son of God. You are a dog. You are a pig. And it was this, this ugly thing. And then they actually crucify him and put him up in the square. And I thought, Oh, time to go to work. <laughs> and I went into, into this dark little theater. And the irony was, I had to sack four guys called Jesus because their cocks were too small. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, it's, it was, it was there, there is a story. <laughs> <laughs> Back in Australia, we we trained up these guys. We yeah. we put them on the road, and then we we had to race back to the UK, and where we did a very we'd done the West End, and then we did a very triumphant, sold out tour of the UK. Yeah, um, that ran for like four months. Then we went to. The Montreal Festival, which yep. is the second biggest comedy yep. festival in which the world, I think the that, that it would obviously, you know, there's a there's a certain sense of humour that that Australians and uh, the English, and and I think Canadians share this common sense of humour and would really get what you do. But I want to move on to when you came to America. Were there certain obstacles? Did you were you confident that it would translate or? Well, the, the a very common way for a Broadway show to break into America is to do Toronto first. Right. If you can, if you can be a hit in Toronto, okay. those reviews and, and and so so that's the path we took. Right. We did the Montreal, then we went to Toronto. We were very successful there. Right. Okay. And that's then interesting because it is America, yeah. and it's a Canadians are a mix of 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 uh, America and 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 the UK. I think. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's, it's similar in the UK. Like, if you are a West End hit, you yeah. will be very successful touring the UK, which yeah. is a huge market. So you, you, you don't look to make much money in the West End. It's very right. expensive to do. But right. you That's will make a fortune doing, doing the, the touring. Doing the other Same stuff, yeah. with America. If you can do New York, then yeah. your American touring will do extremely well. Right. So, so that was our aim to do New York. Yeah. So we, right. we we got booked into John Houseman's Theatre on Forty Second Street. We were leaving Toronto, but we thought the show's going so well, we can get a local cast and keep it going while we go to yeah. New York. Right. So we were on this radio, the probably the biggest FM radio show in Toronto, yeah. and I'd been on it a couple of times before. I knew the DJ had been out with him partying yeah. a couple of times. And we, we were sitting there and we were having live auditions in the morning. There was like about right. eight right. guys standing there with no pants on. We were putting shapes on. And then I remember seeing 
on the, one of the big video screens in the, in the, in the studio, th- this plane hit one of the, the towers. Ah, right, wow. And I just went, you know, I'm just looking at him going, what is this? You know, it just, just didn't seem right. real. And, yeah. and the DJ's looking at it and we're looking at each other and he's broken into the... And there was like hilarious laughter and it was right, going right. off in the studio. And he's like, he's going, oh, something's happened in New York. We're not sure what it is. We'll let you know anyway. And then we kept on going <laughs> with what we did. And then we just watched this second yeah. plane live hit wow. the, at the tower. And then yeah. um, wow. he, the, the DJ's eyes just started yeah. welling with tears. Yeah. And, you know, I, I only found out after that that he had, you know, a cousin and, and a sister yeah. in that tower. Oh, and no. I know. And it was like. Yeah, you, I was in I was in New York at the time and, and I was my, my brother called me and, and I was and I, and I saw the, the second plane hit and, and just and it was just such a surreal moment that, 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 you know, the first one, there was a question of whether it was an accident. But when that second one hit. You knew yeah. that stuff was going down, and and so you're in the middle of a of a uh, penis casting, and then and and uh, 9 well, ha- happens, and you're meant to be well, in New York the following week, I, are you? Yeah, no, I was due to fly out the next day right. to open in New York, and and I, I just remember looking around at these other guys who didn't understand. I said, guys, it's over now. It's over. Yeah. And I, I actually had to snap at him and go, just fucking pull up your pants. It's over. <laughs> oh, look, look. And, and I remember the feeling. And then I left the studio and I went back yeah. to my apartment and we watched the TV, my brother and I. Yeah. And I just, I just remember thinking the world's never going to be the same. The, no. the, the, this is, you know, and it sort of isn't, especially if it you isn't. travel. No, no, this <laughs> pre, pre-9-11 is, is a different world. Yeah. Um, and then, but of course, and at the same time, the Toronto Film Festival was on, and there yeah. was a lockdown. There was no airplanes yeah. running anywhere. Yeah. So yeah. We, there was this, um, I'll never forget it, there was like a five-day period where it was a very boozy, um, celebrity-filled time in, in Toronto. Right. Uh, and then we got one of the first flights out of Toronto. We arrived yeah. in New York. We met with all our marketing people, our, our um, advertising people, um, our producers. And look, I, and I remember spent- that time, and everyone in, in, uh, that I encountered in, in New York were, 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 was just kind of were, were going through a, a bit of a haze and, and a bit dazed, and every, everything yeah. was nothing. Was everyone was couldn't quite focus, and and you and you, you thought that you just go on with your life, but it was it was. Almost impossible. So, you know, I, I remember looking out the window and, and just seeing hundreds of, of, um, of people walking up Avenue Way covered in, in dust and, and, and it was like this, this nightmare horror movie. It was the strangest thing. And, and then for weeks after that, it was New York was on lockdown and the National Guard was there and you couldn't... I was um, in the East Village below 14th Street and you couldn't move between certain blocks that you couldn't, if you went up, like people above 14th couldn't come down yep. and you didn't yep. move around. So, but New York for, for weeks, months, especially in those first weeks, it must have been a, a very strange time to try and be having meetings about your show. You know? Well, I, I, I'll never forget my, my flight in from Toronto. 
occasionally when you're flying from New York, you get that plane that will like circle the city and come yeah. back to JFK. Yeah. And 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 we we had one of those, and we yeah. literally were looking out the window, oh looking at this smoking pit, oh. and you know it, oh it was God, just that's uh, I, like I can't even imagine that because you you when you were there it was. To see that, you see, you saw how devastating it was from the 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 aerial shots. But to fly yeah. over New York, and if ever, anyone's done that flight, it's the most spectacular flight when you come in when you get to to cruise up 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 Manhattan to land. That must have been just devastating to see. It was. It was. Mm. It was. It was heartbreaking. And then yeah. when we got to our apartment, which was on Bleecker Street. You know, oh, wow. in the village yeah. there, there was just this stench. Yeah. You know, this, this yeah. horrible burning smell. It yeah. was like no well, other. It was, it was awful. Like not to bring the show down, but it was basically what it was talking about. Is is there? There were three thousand people there. It was weeks later. It was hot, and it was burning, and and, and it's affected me. I think for a long time. But you basically had the this the smell of people decomposing and burning and and when the wind went to the in the wrong way shall we say in, in new york new york was covered in the smell of death basically absolutely and so you're trying to <laughs> in this atmosphere here, here comes the penis show here comes the <laughs> penis guys <laughs> so so uh, th- we actually had scored the cover uh, of time out this week Right, oh man, you must you must and, have just thought uh, and, and not that. Not that you were think I'm sure you weren't thinking selfishly, but you just must no, have been no, shaking no. your head but, at the time of the timing but, of and, it. But, but but the timing <laughs> of it is yeah. like you know you know <laughs> they must have known we were coming. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there was um there was only one issue of Time Out in the history of Time Out magazine. That was yeah. never run. That was our week. Was and, it really? You know, and and, and so, so we, there was a big decision. Okay, do we open the show still? Yeah. Does yeah. New York need a laugh, or do we just yeah. cut our losses? You know. Uh, well, listen. I, I I hope you went. I look forward to hearing it. But being there it was just like you know what we what New Yorkers wanted at the time was support. And for yeah. pe- for you to come in and, and not be afraid because people were people were leaving the city forever right. at that point and 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 going to, to hide in the country so not to hide but but because you did because there were anthrax the scares and the, and and another plane went down in Brooklyn at the time it was a really kind no. of frightening war zone and I so know. actually to to when you guys came in I'm sure you're actually gone up oh, thank God you guys are here. Thanks for the support, and and this, although I'm sure you adjusted what you did opening night, I'm sure you were well, you were you were more than welcomed. Well, we actually ended up getting big groups of firemen's wives and right. people hugging us after the show, saying, right. uh, "You know good. what? We really needed to laugh like <laughs> that. We, you know, we, 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 it was a really." amazing experience that we had in new york and the show yeah. ended up running for nearly two years there did it yeah wow that's um, incredible that's we, a long we run only, as well isn't it yeah we, we were only one of the only uh off-broadway shows to survive 9-11 we were wow. the only one Every, everything else yeah. closed yeah um we, we were the only one to survive and 
It was, which is amazing because the, the money money just went out, fled from New York basically because no, it was a really uncertain future in the in the days, weeks, months after after that, whether New York would be the same, whether it'd ever come back, whether they'd rebuild, whether business would come back to New York. And, and so for you guys to just go on and push forward, that, that's great. And, I, and I'm glad you got the success you got there because yeah. it was, you know, because it, it would have been very helpful to the to, to people there. So, yeah, but, well done. But, but Jonathan, you'd remember yeah. what it was like there. You'd just step into a bar and you could just yeah. stand there and buy a drink on your own, uh, and you just turn and look at someone, and, and they just give you a cuddle. It was yeah. like uh, the people, yeah. everyone yeah. was just together. Yeah. It was the most remarkable time what, to right, be in a actually. place. You're right, actually, and and it was. I remember the night on on. Um, uh, I had I think uh, fifteen, twenty people over at my house. Dodie Boland, Nicole Rice. All the locals, um, um, Anna Zantiotis, I think, was there as well. Um, but all the people from the building, and because uh, I think I, I was the only one that had a working phone line, right? Uh, so everyone came over and we all gathered. And, and but you're right, the camaraderie of, of all the people after that were um, was was incredible. It was an incredible time to be a New Yorker. If you didn't feel like a New Yorker before that time, going yeah. through that and bonding with the people there, it, you know, you really did feel part of the part of the city. Absolutely, yeah, very interesting. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, well so, listen, <laughs> let's go on because that, let, let's, let's cheer know, things up a bit. It enough. always makes my me feel a little bit sad that time but because but no, it was a, an awful, too. awful time. But this, what, what was the most amazing thing was the spirit of, 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 the, of the, uh, the firemen, the police and, and the, you know, the EMS and, and the spirit of New Yorkers. It was one of the most inspiring times as well as how heartbreaking it is the, the 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 bringing together of everyone and and the you know that sense of we're not going to let this beat us and we will stand tall and, and move on was was palpable and 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 terribly inspiring and and I, I looked back at that period of my life as a as very very hard but it, but it, but it, but also galvanizing and and it really it really helped me understand Americans as well. And yeah. and when, when the shit hits a fan, Americans are good people, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. They are. They're yeah. a little misguided, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is, New York isn't really America. I've travelled. Yeah, this America. is true. Yeah, this is true, uh, and, and, that, and that's uh, even more special about New York. That New Yorkers weren't cynical about it. You know, they become the, the most open and honest and friendly and and um, and together that, that that you could ever imagine. But that's also very new york and when you, when you understand when new york goes through a, a blackout or a or a or, or a snowstorm it, the the camaraderie <laughs> in new york is fantastic oh my god i mean you know <laughs> when you think about it there's like if you live in a suburb in australia yeah the whole population of that suburb would live on a block in new york yeah, exactly you know exactly. it's like yeah. it's full on man you yeah. gotta get on with people you yeah, got exactly. it. Like, you know, none of this not waving and not saying hi. Right. As, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so well, let's let's go on and on to some more let, fun things. Yeah, I no, want no, to talk no, about... no, let me tell go you a on, fun please. story Sorry about, about yeah, New yeah, York. Yeah, please do. So so we were doing our show at the John Houseman. Yeah. It was all going extremely well. Um one day I, I used to I used to walk to work 
go yeah. a different way every day. I just yeah. weave my way through the streets, and I was amazed. I'm constantly walking like this, yeah. looking up, you know, running into things. And then one day <laughs> I turned up to our theatre, and all of the windows of our theatre were blacked out with black plastic. I'm like, what's going on? I, 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 yeah. First thing that came uh -oh. to mind was like some sort of anthrax thing. Anthrax, yeah. And like I've, I've <laughs> walked in there and I see like about 150 men in various stages of undressing. And they're putting their clothes into a plastic bag. Oh, uh, no. And they're like writing their names on plastic bags. And so I've like made a beeline straight for the backstage, yeah. gone out there, oh, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, and all the, the other cast are there like just going, oh, I don't know, I don't know. In fact, Amy Schumer was working this show. Oh, really? That's yeah, funny. yeah. She, she, she supported us for years. That's cool. And then I get back there and then I call my producer and I find out he's sold the entire show, 350 seats, to a gay, uh, naturist, theatre-loving group. <laughs> Which means there's going to be 100, 350 gay men butt naked. Oh, that's great. And I'm oh, like, that's I, funny. I, I, and and did, was, was there, there must have been a little bit more audience participation on that oh, show. Oh, it was mental. <laughs> it turned into a workshop. I, yeah. I'm like, I'm like uh, well, it would have been nice if you told me because a lot of our dialogue is like, Ladies or men, or right, we, we right, could take right. all the late stuff out. Yeah. So, um, you know, we get there and like I like I do a pelican, which is one of the installations yeah. we perform. And then you know, oh, next you thing I know, there's the guys, sorry, these guys performing the pelican on each other. <laughs> I do the pelican. That's I, not I, how I, it I, works. You meant to do it on yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, can, can you I, I, describe the pelican for us? There was a lot of hand gestures here. We're, we're, we're Skyping with videos, so Simon, there's a lot of hand gestures, but can you describe can you? those for the listening to it on their phone on the New York subway? Yeah, all right, here he goes. Here we go. He's going to do a little performance. So Simon is dropping his pants now. You can describe it, Jonathan. Ready? And Simon Morley is dropping his pants. He in profile. He has the penis in his hand. He is pulling that. He, he is using the penis and his scrotum as the mouth That's, of a pelican. There you go. A little tickle underneath. That is wonderful. Look, it, very look, lifelike Jonathan, as well. He swallowed some calamari. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hang up. Just in case my kids walk in, I'm going to back That was fantastic. Um, and I'm, so, I'm, well, I'm definitely, well, I'm definitely, we've recorded this Skype call, so I'm definitely putting that up on, on, uh, on, on YouTube. I'll give as you a, a better one than that. I'll give okay, you a better okay, one. Okay, cool. So basically, <laughs> the penises are in one hand, the scrotum in the other, stretching them to the whole thing, and then using it as, as the mouth. Fantastic. Thank you for that bonus performance. And so when did the Leno show happen? How did that all come about? Because I know that was a big highlight for you guys. It was. I mean, as, as a, I, I don't really consider myself a comedian, but as a comedian to get the Leno show, the Tonight Show, right. it's, that's everything. It's yeah, everything. it's the Tonight Show. Yeah. So, so we hit the road. We trained up other teams again yeah. we, um, to stay in New York. At, at this time in America, we had a team in New York. We had a team in L.A., we, yeah. we went to LA and we, so we did the Coronet Theatre and then we went to San Francisco and so we had three teams in America. Right. 
And so listen, let's before we go on to the um, on to to Leno, because I want to talk to you about how how this this works and and the logistics of having several teams on the road that you've cast and and um, and do you have a do you have an original member with each team or, or is it you know a, a, a you know someone with experience out in the road or you just cast it and send them off into the into the uh, ether? What we used we used New York as the training ground. Right. Because we were running like eight shows a week there. So we, yeah. would, we would blood our people there. Then we would send them <laughs> out on tour if they were good enough. We were in, in L.A. doing the show. And mm. the, one of the bookers from the Leno show actually came along to the show, <laughs> to, to, I think to the opening night. And we happened to choose her as the fruit bat yeah. girl, which yeah. is the person we get on stage. Right. And she loved the show so much. So she went back yeah. to Leno and said, you're going to book these guys. Oh, great. And, That's great. Yeah. And in the meantime, I went up to San Francisco to do the show. Yeah. And there was a TV show, a breakfast TV show up there called Cron TV. And there was two female hosts. We were to go on, have a little chat to them in our capes, and then they're going to say to us at some point after the chat, we don't understand what you're really doing and we were going to stand up and show them what we do. Now, we blocked right. it out with Cameraman, the director. We said, right. shoot us Elvis style from the waist up. Right, um, right, right, right. And, and, and then just show the way that the, you know, it's the best <laughs> the way to shoot what reactions. we do. Show yeah. the reactions. <laughs> um, so this was all worked out. We did this spot with them. It went fabulously. Yeah. Everyone loved it. We walk downstairs. As we're walking downstairs, there's this little bald guy with these two big security guards. And I sort of put out my hand thinking he was going to say thank you as well. And he's like, right. I want you to know you brought the station in disrepute. I think oh, you're disgusting. No. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy, easy little dude. Wow. Um, and, and he was furious with us. And yeah. we literally got pushed out the door, you know, two hours later. But the drudge yeah. report. Um, you know, had, had yeah, picked up on yeah. it, and there's and and apparently, Friendy's Eiffel Tower, they'd shot it wrong, and had gone right across Greater California's breakfast. Oh no! In all its glory, and there was like four seconds of cock, and oh, no. and the station was taken off the air and it went to black. We didn't I'm sure. This. I'm not sure. That is so illegal. And it just, yeah, I, yeah. I thought that maybe the tip of the Eiffel Tower might have peaked its little head up into to frame just from the, the sheer uh -uh. stretchiness of the penis. Full penis. The full Eiffel Tower. This media storm hit it. Entertainment Tonight, everyone, you know, all the big newspapers across America picked, it, picked up on it because yeah. we'd been booked for the, for the Tonight Show. And right. so all the NBC guys were calling Jay Leno and saying, you can't have these guys on. Right. The, the, the San Francisco station was saying we did it as a publicity stunt and we did it on purpose. <laughs> Jay Leno called him from, from a meeting and he said, what happened? We told him what happened. He goes, right, I'm still doing it. You know, Fantastic. you guys still on? We said, yeah, we're still on. Great. So we got booked up back you know, onto the show. Um, then... Uh, the, just the afternoon before we went on, for the first time in the Tonight Show history, an yeah. affiliate refused to take the Tonight Show because we were on. Wow. It was Salt, Salt Lake City. Congratulations. 
Thank you very much. That is kind of Elvisy. That is very Elvisy. Yeah, yeah. And That's great. One hour before we went to air, a sit another station in Salt Lake City took the Tonight Show for one night only. That's fantastic. It was huge. It was huge. That is and, amazing. And of course, the media all right across America covered this. Yeah. And, and then I jumped on, and I, I remember I did the did the uh, Tonight Show. I jumped on an aeroplane straight after it. We finished it like at about five in the afternoon. Um, by nine o'clock at night, I was on a plane to go see my brother in Bali. Yeah. And I mean, it was the most surreal time because the day I arrived, the Bali bomb went off. And oh right about God, this time, I'm thinking the FBI have got like a, you know, this puppet with the penis. They've got cells right. all over the world. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere well, maybe it was all a protest down. over you. That, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then... But not to, not to laugh. I mean, I can laugh that, about it, but it, it's just the timing of it is just crazy. I know, know. But it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And then just <laughs> after that happened... Um, Nipplegate. Do you remember Nipplegate? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, so... At the Super Bowl. So there was two big indecency on the airwaves cases. One was Puppetry of the Penis on Cron. The other right. one was on uh, on the Super Bowl with Channel Jack, Channel Jackson's nipple, which yeah. was bizarre. I mean, you know, it's a... Th- yeah. It's, it's the thing that, like, feeds our children, but you can't show it. Whereas you yeah. can see the governor of California on primetime yeah. television shoot someone in the head 50 times. Right. You know? <laughs> and it wasn't even, I think that she had a little pasty over it as well. Wasn't it? it wasn't Absolutely. even actually yeah, any nipple star. showing. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, oh, well. So th- and Justin that, Timberlake was like, oh, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> so, so then there was like, a, with the Bush government, they changed the laws. And it went from like, um, a fine of $30,000 for indecency to $300,000. Yeah. Wow. Right, $300,000 for the right. performer, $300,000 for the producer, $300,000 for, uh, for the network. So it yeah. turned into a near on a million-dollar fine. So all of these people that were prepared to have us on, talk about penis, say the word penis, all these newspapers that were running our ads saying puppetry of the penis shut yeah. down. They, right. they couldn't take the risk. So yeah, too much. While I was in Bali, pretty much we'd reached, we hit the Tonight Show, we had three shows, nearly four or five shows running around America. Yeah, amazing. We were reaching this, this pinnacle and then we just got shut down and we didn't go back to wow. America and perform for like 10 years. Really? So that that yeah. just shut it all down. Just like the whole thing was over. And wow, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we we couldn't we couldn't advertise our show. We couldn't promote it. We couldn't go on TV or radio. We couldn't do anything. And so you had how many troops did you have at the time? Like four or five five troops touring America. <laughs> there was four at the time, and it very yeah. quickly got shut down to nothing. Wow, how what how yeah. long did that take? You say very quickly. Was it a couple of months or was it was it yeah. two months? 
Wow. And so there's this, this thriving business, bringing entertainment to, to thousands and thousands of people and just shut down because of, you know, a knee-jerk yeah. reaction by the government. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I'm yeah. sorry that happened to you, but... It, and so you were done. So that was... Did you think it was all... <laughs> like, hang on. Like we're, this is our longest and one of our best podcasts, but I want to keep going. Have you got time? Can we keep going? Because I want to hear what happens then. What happened then? <laughs> yeah, well, well, actually, I well, might have to crack a bit. Concentrated on Europe, you know. I mean, okay. Australia kept going well. Okay. Uh, we, we so did, how many did trips German... did you have going worldwide? On one Saturday night, I remember yeah. there was one Saturday night and there was eight shows running around the world. Right. Was we there ever a point where, where there was penises being, where, where there were dick tricks being performed in a 24-hour circuit as you, you could fly around the world to different... Um, Absolutely. <laughs> did it work out Absolutely. that way? Absolutely. <laughs> if you got on the right no, plane, no. you could see a dick trick in, in every continent for uh, <laughs> in 24 hours. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, so you shut down in the States and then, um, and then so the, you started to concentrate on Europe. Where did you, where did you base it? Did you base out of the UK from that? We were that? sort of... Well, we were. I was. I, I, I went and set up shop in, in uh, like Bali, between Bali and Byron. Okay. I, mean, I, I was spending sort of. Had you retired like, by this point? Were you just a, 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 no, you know, a figurehead? <laughs> no, no. I, I was still doing it, but I was like, I was spending 10 months a year on the road. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. when I did get off the road, somewhere like Bali or Byron was. was Absolutely perfect. I really needed to just get some sand between my toes and, yeah, and chill out a bit, you know. Um, and and but, but then you know, I, I think I don't know. Ran we, we did Berlin, we did um, Argentina, yeah. Mexico, Spain, yeah, uh, France. Um, Europe really went well for us. Around about that time, I sort of um, met my beautiful wife. Yeah, um, you know the, who, who you know, Carolina yeah. Barbieri, who's like a, yeah. a a jeweler to the stars. Yeah, beautiful jewelry, folks. What, what's what's Carolina's um, uh, website? If, do you know it off? I, I do. CarolinaBarbieri.com. Fantastic. <laughs> well, we'll actually link to that because she, Carolina, does beautiful jewelry, and, and we she have does. been. I've known Carolina, one of the first people I met in New York, and uh, so yeah. she does beautiful stuff. So we'll link to that in the show notes for sure. Lucky right. man. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. And then we've, yeah. had, we've had, since then, we've had two beautiful children. Amazing. And, like, I just sort of wanted to back off, you know. I, I, I got really sick of touring and, like, yeah. I, I just, I, I really wanted to, um, when my kids were born, I wanted to be there. I didn't want to yeah. miss all those little little moments, yeah. you know. I, yeah. I, I just know that, you know, with my old man, uh, with my father and, and with lots of other fathers that I know, these guys they work. They go to work at like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. They come home at like seven thirty, yeah. eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Well, there's that, that, that point that they make is like you know a lot of people say I'm work. I work this hard for the family, but if it's for the family and you're missing out on all the time with the family, is like you know. What are you doing? You know, yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, was yeah. great that you got to have that 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 good length of time with the kids and family and growing up and to get got to experience that. Absolutely, and we did a lot of travelling. You know, we had a house in Bali. When my yeah. wife's father is in Florence, so we spent a lot of time there. 
I mean, the mm. countryside here in England, where I'm, where I'm living now, um, you know, we were just living the dream. It was between yeah, all these. Yeah, no, it's houses. great. I'm, I'm happy for you, man. It's re it's really nice. Well yeah. deserved. But but and then so I got a, then go I got on. a little tired. Then I thought, okay, I yeah. I think I need to get back on the road because I was, yeah. a, I was worried about the quality control of the show. The shows that right. we were running in the world weren't necessarily, you know, we weren't taking care of business. Right. So. And that happens I, after a while. Things everyone gets comfortable, but sure. but that that's that that's that tricky thing when, as a business person, and I've been listening to a lot of entrepreneurial stuff at the moment, and uh, it, it, they often talk about you've got to really be careful of that time where you where you plateau and you think it can all just run itself, and and it never can. I mean, it, it if it, if it's your show, then you have to run it and you have to keep an eye on it. And so, so you say you're feeling things, you know, not just the polish coming off it a little bit, and it might need a, a firmer hand at the tiller, for example. Do you do the yeah. tiller? Is there a tiller? Is that a part of one of the, the, the tiller? It could be. Yeah. You've got my juices flowing. Yeah. Well, I, so I moved to America, and we spent. I spent the last three years living just outside New York, and the idea yeah. was to, to boost to try and reinvigorate our show in America. I was, yeah. I was thinking, like, the Obamas there, things are a little more liberal. But yeah. it was still pretty weird. Was still it? Pretty wow. Weird. But then I thought, okay, the, the one thing I've always wanted to do was Vegas. Vegas was my, my goal. You know, yeah. this show should have always been, you know, the king. I, You know, the old... <laughs> Sammy Dean and Frank. Oh, I love and, it. I uh, love it. Yeah, it's uh, such a Vegas yeah. show. You know, it, it's just yeah. pure showmanship. So, so, so we decided to look for a venue down there, and then very quickly mm. we realised, which we had, we'd known um, from our investigations years and years before, you can't be naked on a licensed <laughs> premises or a gaming premises. Right, Which is right. every premises in Vegas. Which is every premises in Vegas, right. yeah. So th th they do have, like, the strip joints where they have full nudity, but there's no yeah. booze. There's no booze, uh, yeah. And this is a very tough for us. And then my partner in, in America, David Foster, who just, he's uh, producing a show uh, called Absinthe in America, in, mm. in Vegas, mm. okay, which is... Yeah, uh, yeah. It's been running for five years and very successful. Yeah. He's he said I might have found a venue, and there's a museum called the Erotic Heritage Museum, of run course. by this guy Harry Mahoney, who was like partner to Larry Flint, and he owns the Hustle Club. He owns every strip club in in Vegas, pretty much. Brilliant. And he owns this. It's like a passion project. It's not very successful, yeah. but he owns this great little museum, and they had this space that we could convert yeah. into a theatre. So yeah, wow. Oh, I, great. My, my beautiful wife went down there and she wrapped it in red velvet and made these beautiful red curtains and turned it into a very <laughs> Bolesky, beautiful yeah, amazing. space. Yeah. And, uh, and it's been running for like a year now. Has it really? Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. Vegas. Oh, mate, was... Next time you're in town, if you're next time you're there, I'd love to come out and, uh, and join you. Uh, come and see the show. It'd be amazing. Absolutely, let's do it. And then we have to uh, tour the rest of Harry's venues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. Just as an exploratory, of course, just for a fact-finding yeah. mission. Just before we finish up, I just want to say that the, that you you've decided to go go back on the road, get back into the into into the troop, and uh, what's that process been like? Because you are you about to go on the road again yourself, aren't you? Is that correct? What? Well, I, I actually, I'm about to start doing a tour of the UK, but uh, yeah. about four months ago, I got back into shape. Like, you know, I, I lost a fair bit of weight that I was carrying. And I mean, penis, I and, penis and scrotum are very stretchy from what I saw. So well done getting that back into to performance levels. and yeah. that, that, that was the least of yeah. my worries. It's more about, <laughs> it's more about my belly so I can actually right, see. Right, just so you can, you can actually get to see the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Let you me know, put my belly on this of, table. Yeah, I'm, I'm turning. I'm turning 50 this year, and I just, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of. There's a lot of sort of. When I started doing the show, it was a complete abandonment of yeah. of any any issues with um, how I look, or you know, no, there's no body shaming. But all of a sudden now, I'm like, oh God, can I still do this? And then I right. had to reevaluate what the show was. Because the guys I've got in Vegas are like ripped. They're right. like Greek gods, you know. Right. And I'm like, really? okay. right. That's interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, but hang on. I was never ripped. And no. the show, when, when it was at its peak, was just about being funny. Just about so, being funny. funny, right? That's, that's really interesting that the, 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 the casting went to that kind of ripped look because i you know i still haven't seen the show unfortunately but i've seen many clips of it and, and as you say i always saw it as a as a comedy piece with the rise of the dad's body being apparently a thing now i think that now is the time to to get back on the saddle i'm the champion i'm the champion That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, yeah. it's like rocky seven <laughs> <laughs> bring it on bring yeah, it man. on so that's great and, and so have you done a performance yet I am off to do a festival in Holland next weekend. And That's amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a stage that has like 15,000 people. I did, it, I did it like 10 years ago. 15,000 people, and that's going to be your that's going to be your comeback show, is in front yeah, of 15,000 yeah. people. So well done, mate. But, I admire but, but, but like it, it, they have one. It's a huge tent that holds yeah. 15,000, and they. Uh, but the actual festival has like three hundred thousand people at it. Wow! Um, but the, the 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 last time I was there, which was over ten years ago, it was pouring rain. Uh, so right. there was like thirty thousand people inside the tent because they all uh, just right. wanted out of rain. <laughs> so it was mental. So oh, that's I'm, incredible. Like, I'm sort of hoping it's not going to rain. Oh, so it's uh, kind of like Coachella in, in that you pay an entry fee and you're able to just wander in and see absolutely. everything then. Uh, right. Absolutely. Oh, that's cool. What's the name yeah, of the yeah. festival? Uh, uh, Pasop. Pasop. And, and yeah, P-A-A-S-L-O-P. And how long does it run for? Is it just for the weekend? It's a weekend. It's a weekend. Oh, well, unfortunately, by the time this comes out, you'll have missed it. Folks, but but can you just run us through an upcoming schedule and to to just sure. you know, if people we're, want to catch the show? Where we're doing, we've got fifty dates around the UK this year. That's yep. what I'm concentrating on, um, and all the dates are on our website, puppetrythepenis.com. Puppetrythepenis.com. We will be going. Yeah, we will be yep. going to Australia later in the year, and then we'll probably go back to New Zealand. And um, there's a tour of Holland. There's all sorts yep. of stuff coming up, but um, no, amazing, amazing, amazing. 
Yeah. Well, listen, mate. That's that's been amazing. I've loved this, and 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 it's our, it's our longest uh, episode yet. But I was fascinated <laughs> and lots of fun. And and thank you for the for the for the brief performance. And I will be definitely posting that where everyone can see us. And it was great to see you, mate. And a great chat. Can you can apart from puppetry of the penis dot com? What do you have? Some Instagrams. Uh, what are, what are your various social things that we're where, uh, there's uh, Puppetry of the P on Instagram and Puppetry of the P on Twitter. And if people want to get in contact with with you or the show, they can just go on the, the website, puppetryofthepenis.com, and, and get in contact there. And listen, Simon is an amazing guy, and the, the show is hilarious, and I've heard from everyone that, that's seen it that, that it's, it's so worth going. So if you're in the UK or in Europe, or if you're in Vegas, get into one of those um, stretch limos and get yourself down and, and see the show. And if you've run into Simon there, say you heard him on Daddy OFM. But thanks again, mate. It's been a, it was a really good chat, and thanks for coming on. And, and I and I hope to see you soon. And I hope to either to get over to the UK and catch a show, or if you if you come through Vegas, please let me know because I'd love to come out to the desert and check it out. Oh, now we've got we've got a black lab, is it? <laughs> she is. My little babies, my little girl. <laughs> tell tell me, nothing. you're not going to do any sort of canine um, puppetry shows. Absolutely. Uh, so for those that are listening, Simon is being ravaged by a very cute uh, black Labrador. This is all over yeah, him. Well, so you're living the perfect life, mate. I'm really happy I, um, for you. Life in the country. Jonathan, That's it's been right. a pleasure. Thanks, mate. Mate, lots of love. Let's get you on back back on soon. And why don't we have you back on uh, at the end of your um, tour? And um, I want to hear some tales from the road. It would be great. Absolutely, yeah. We sort of got a quarter of the way through it, so. All right, mate. Excellent. What's <laughs> up, buddy? All right, mate. Speak to you soon. Thanks again. Bye. And that was indeed a classic episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. And what I loved about it was how Simon took a crazy idea and turned it into an international sensation. It was an idea that he just couldn't let go, and I'm learning more and more to trust that instinct. So if you have a crazy idea, write it down, tell someone about it, and if it keeps popping into your head over and over, you may be onto something too. And who knows where it will take you. Maybe you too will be on stage with no pants on. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps grow the show. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at DaddyOFM and check out my photography at jbookalil and jbookalil.com. If you know someone you'd like to hear on Daddy OFM, please let us know. We'll have a new episode out next week. Taking us out is the war on drugs with Under the Pressure. Daddy O out.
Shut up.